Let me ask you a question. Uh, whenever I was a kid going to public school, the teacher would ask us questions. So I want to ask you a question. Um, why did Paul write Romans? Anybody remember that answer? Uh, why did he write? What was, he, what was his goal in, in the book of Romans? Say it one more loud, loudly. To teach, teach, teach the Christians to walk out Christian living in the midst of a pagan society. That's good. Sister Rose, you gave the answer to the last one. Could you talk? I'll let me talk to me. And that the believers in that day would grow properly, living in a pagan society. How do you grow? Do you, are you shaped by the world or do you shape them? I mean, that, that's the question, you know, are you allowing the world to shape you? And the Christians in Rome have to be careful because uh, living was good, you know, so to speak. You know, things were more civilized because Rome, Rome could act very uncivilized itself, but Rome was uh, a place where they subdued the, the, the real, real crazy enemy, you know, uh, the, those people that day. And then sometimes when things are really good for you, you, you just kind of forget the Lord. It's almost as though sometimes because of our humanity, we think that God just wants to spoil us and give us things, and we start to elevate things over the Savior, and we don't want to do that. We want to grow properly. And then we want to be able to discern what is going on in our society and not participate in the bad stuff, not participate in the bad stuff. So we, we, we are down, we're down or we're up to Romans 13, chapter 13. That's my subject today, Romans chapter 13. You know, I remember, who was that? Somebody came up here and said, well, something like, uh, uh, yes, his, his uh, pastor's subjects are very simple, like Romans 12. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm, if I'm making any, any points here. So we're going to talk about submitting to government today. And this is a very tough one for me. Um, it's tough in the sense that uh, people think that when the pastor stands up here, he's giving opinions. I'm not ever giving you my opinion. You know, if you were to ask me, do I, do I like mangoes or peaches, I can give you my opinion about mangoes and peaches, telling you what I like and why I like them. But when I stand up here, I'm not bringing my opinion to you. I'm bringing the Word of God. And, I, and what I've endeavor to do is to bring you the objective Word of God. Now, objective Word of God, what does it mean? It means that I am trying to hear God say whatever He wants to say and take His meaning and give you what He has given to me to you. I, I don't want to put any Lavelle 101, 202, 306, I don't want to put any of that in it. I, I, want, I want to just give you what Jesus is saying. Sometimes I have given you what Jesus was saying as I was weeping and breaking my heart because everything in me other than Jesus was saying, no, no, you know. And so we bring you the objective truth. The subjective truth means it comes through all your filters and then you give it out. Uh, no, we're not going to give you the subjective, quote-unquote, thing. There's no subjective truth, really. It's just the, your, your subjective view. And so we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about this because this was a tough subject, as I said, uh, for me for many, many years, trying to understand what God is saying in chapter 13. Verse 1 reads, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. I mean, just that. 
let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, which means that you have now chosen to bring yourself under God-ordained government. Government is ordained of God, whether you like it or not. It's ordained of God. Because without government, we've got craziness that you've never seen. You've got 800, uh, 8 billion, uh, almost 8 billion, let's say 7 billion, uh, let's say there are at least a billion Christians. But if you've got 7 billion crazy people who are moved and, and directed by Satan, can you imagine without any government, without any rules, without any authority, with, with some, without somebody saying, you can't do that? You know, so government is ordained of God. Bad government is another issue. But nevertheless, government is ordained of God. And Paul says, let every soul be subject to the governing authority. You bring yourself under. Now, now listen, let's go on. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. It does not mean that God is happy with the way the ruler rules. That's, that's not mean that. Wait, are you for him, God? Oh, be quiet. Don't ask God that. No, God is not for evil in any form. But God has ordained government. And so we have to get that. Now, now I'm talking to Christians, and Paul was writing to Christians too, because some of them needed some help. And if you are, are aware of anything other than just what is going on in your house with your four no more, if you're, if you're interested or if you have opened your ears, you understand and you find that there are a lot of people who think they're on their way to heaven who don't have a clue as to, as to what government, the purpose of government is and how to comport themselves. A lot of people who say they name the name of Christ and, and perhaps do name the name of Christ, but they have not come to an understanding yet. And you will never come to an understanding until you open yourself to God to say, whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want. Amen. We've got a few people who've come to that place. Whatever you want, Lord. You know, in, in my journey, I've had tears because I said, God, it just doesn't seem right. But you have to do it because God says it is right. You obey. You see, as, as, as our father said to uh, uh, Brother Elliot, one of our elders here, when Michael was born, he said, Dad, Dad, I, I've got a son. I've got a son. You know, I don't know what to teach him. He said, you can't teach him anything till you've taught him to obey. And that's how it is with God. You and I cannot learn what God wants until we obey. And obedience that has nothing to do with you agreeing with it. You obey because God said it, because it's right. Amen. 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 Just like obedience has nothing to, 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 to I mean, I mean um, you, you submitting to God, you obeying God because oh, I disagree. No, you obey God for, and, and then you'll come to an agreement. And you also submit also because it's right. You don't uh, submit because you agree. You submit because God said submit. That's what that looks like. So Paul goes on to say, uh, all, all, uh, the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So Paul says that you don't have the right 
in the God sphere to resist someone that God set in place. That is to resist them as to bring about, say, insurrection against them. Now, you can, you can uh, say, okay, there's a, this, what this rule is doing is wrong, but there's a right way to even address wrong. There's a right way to do it. You can't just do it your own way. Well, I just believe, no, 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 no. Okay, maybe we need that. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah that one. Yeah, yeah, because you, you don't have that right. And sometimes Christians have elevated themselves above what is right in, in an effort to uphold what is right. They've elevated themselves. So you're going to, quote, unquote, unappoint. I would like to say disappoint, but you're going to unappoint somebody that God put in place, and then you're going to take the place? Oh, you just staged the coup. That's the wrong attitude. He doesn't want his people having that attitude. Now, you may disagree with me here today, but let me just say you will be wrong. He says, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And so what he's saying is that the, the person in authority will bring judgment, and so will God bring judgment. Could it be that a lot of times we have thought the devil was hindering us from being blessed, but it was our attitude? It's very, this is a very important subject, and it's not one that I was gleeful to teach. Then he goes on to say, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And this is an emphatic statement here. This is a, he is emphasizing this. He is not apologizing for this statement. And you and I want to find examples to refute this, but there are no examples that can refute this. Rulers are not a terror to good works. Can you imagine, even Nero, I'm sure, if somebody uh, did something really good and uh, said, uh, Emperor Nero, um, I, there was a bad street here, and I fixed it because I was thinking about you. He would, old evil Nero would say, wow, that's good. So you can do good things. R rulers are not a terror to good, thing, uh, good works, but no, they may be a terror to your opposition. The, yeah, if you oppose them, they could be, but the good works, he says, no. Now, listen to what he says. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid of the authority? No, I don't. He said, do what is good, <laughs> and you will have praise from the saying. This is the word of God. You know, if you have examples that, that refute this successfully, You've made something up, and you're in your own little twilight zone. Now, listen to what he says. But if you, for he is God's minister to you for good, the ruler. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Well, for conscience' sake. So what he's saying is that you don't want to obey the ruler because you're afraid that the ruler is going to perhaps put you in jail or, or execute you. No, you don't do that. You do it because of your conscience before God. Why? Because God said, I want you to obey. It does not mean that if the, if the ruler gives you an evil command that you do the evil and say, God, I did it because you told me. 
No, you can civilly say to the ruler, as Paul did, Paul did this uh, when Paul appealed to Rome, he appealed to Rome when um, uh, the, um, the governor said to him, um, uh, Paul, would you mind going to Jerusalem uh, and we can settle this case? It was in Acts, I think, chapter 28 there. He said, we'll go to Jerusalem because he wanted to do the Jews a favor, the, the Pharisees a favor. And Paul says, no, I appeal to Caesar. Remember that? Now, Caesar wasn't a nice guy. But he said, I appeal to Caesar. And Caesar accepted him. You can come. And later they were talking about it. Um, I think it may have been Agrippa and, and, and one of the other leaders. He said, uh, uh, this man has done nothing wrong. He said, uh, he, sh he could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. Now he's appealed to Caesar. We can't ne negate that. Why? Because Caesar is the earthly authority. And so Paul did go to Rome. So th this is what God is saying to us. There is a way to say, I disagree, and Paul disagreed civilly with those people who were in Jerusalem, those, those who were ruling in that particular uh, area where Pilate was at, at one juncture, the ruler, and so forth. So he says, I appeal. So they had no authority except but to allow him to appeal to Rome. So you can see where rulers are not against something that's good. Paul has said this very well. So then he says, but do it because of your conscience before God. Verse 6, for because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending to continually to this very thing. Uh, have you ever heard anybody complain about too, taxes being too high? Anybody? Uh, did, it, did it change anything? <laughs> it didn't change anything, did it? Yeah. So he says, for, uh, for this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers uh, continually, um, attending continually to this very thing. Uh, I, I gave an example in the first service about my, we were driving and, and it, we were in India at the time. We've been in many of those nations like that. My wife and I were in India and we were driving on these terrible road. Boy, Bumpity, 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 bumpity. And we, he was just, you were just doing that in the car. Just, and everybody, they were apologizing. I said, I don't apologize. You know, we, they were apologizing. And she just screamed out, I love paying taxes. I love paying taxes. I love paying And we all had a big laugh because even though we may not agree with the taxes, your job is not to rebel and cheat. Your uh, job is to pay the taxes. This is what he's saying. And so God is pleased with this. God is pleased with this. Now, if there's a, a sensible way you can have taxes reduced, certainly you, you should do that. If it's sensible, but not just because you don't want to pay, because you think subjectively something that God is not saying. So this is, he is teaching Christians how to comport themselves, how to comport themselves. And it is amazing that he is, he is teaching them things, what, almost over 1,900 years ago that we're still dealing with today. Amen. Yeah, people, people don't want to do what they don't want to do. And so Paul says, obey God. And, and also do it because the, the ruler will deal with you, and, and also God will deal with you. And, and, and I want to say this one more time, uh, that a, a lot of times we're not doing poorly because the devil is so formidable. We're doing poorly because we have not fully obeyed. 
we're, we're not, that, that's the key. And because we think that, that o o obedience is subjective. That if you agree, then you ought to obey. For example, let me just, this is a little bit off-road here. God says, husbands, love your wives. Okay? That's objective. It didn't mean that, well, if she'll cook, if she cleans, if she'll do some of the things I say. No, he said, we love your wife. He didn't say, love your wife if. Are you with me? Are you with me? I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, he said, love your wife. And so, so you want to negotiate with God as to what that means. No, you don't negotiate with God. You love your wife. Amen. And then, then those things that you wish you, you would see, then let's say you, you, perhaps you'll see them. All right. Now, let's, get, let's continue. Then verse 7, he says, render therefore to all their due. Render to all. Give to all their due. So this is, as a believer, we're supposed to do that. That's the life we're supposed to live. But sometimes we say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want anybody to think I'm, I'm one of those kinds of guys. We wouldn't say those. We said one of them kind of guys, you know. Uh, we, we, we don't want, I don't want you to think that I'm one of them, you know. I don't want you to think that I'm one of those easy guys. I, I want to I be macho. I want everybody, you know, guys coming up here, I always feel like my arms shut. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. all right. I tighten it up. I tighten it up. It's never, it's never a 10, but I tighten it up. Maybe it's about a five or six. Yeah, yeah, but we want to be that macho guy, but that's not, there's no place for that here, okay? Render to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs uh, fear, to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So it says give everybody their due, and don't just let, let this thing be a, sub, a subjective lifestyle. Don't have a subjective lifestyle. It, you have to agree with it before you do it, before you obey. No, you don't. You obey because God says obey. You, you, you don't be a troublemaker because God said don't be a troublemaker. I grew up, when I grew up many, many you know, years ago as a little boy, I remember my father said, I'm talking to you. I remember sometimes I would be a little upset, you know, and I was, you know, you know, you can interpret that. I don't know what that means, but I would say it. And so he would say, son, he said, what I'm doing will keep you out of jail. He said, what I'm doing, in other words, if you act in this way, then the governor, the leader, the mayor, the police chief, they'll do something to you. So I'm, I'm teaching you godly comportment. So when you walk, you know, nobody suspects you of anything. And that's how I grew up. That's how I grew up. So there are many believers here. We need to grow up. All right? That's not a negative thing against you. I'm just saying, let's just grow up. Let's do what Jesus says. And let's don't do what makes us feel like we're more formidable than the other guy. You know, if the sheriff comes up and he says, let me see your hands, I'm not going to say, why? No. I'm not, I'm not afraid of it. Because if it's something worth dying for, I don't mind dying. If I, I do not mind if it's something worthy. But to show you my hands, hey, hey, you want to shake? Hey, just do it. 
all right? Do it for conscience sake also, all right? Do it for conscience sake. Let me hurry on. I'm going a little slowly. Um, in Matthew 22, verse 20, um, it says, and he said to them, um, whose image, when they asked him, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And they, the, the, the Pharisees were trying to get him into trouble, Jesus into trouble. And so Jesus knew whose image was on the coin. But, he, but listen how wise he is. Whose image and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, listen, render or give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Wow, that's what believers must do. And instead of picking a fight with, quote-unquote, the government, government is ordained of God. Amen. Government is ordained of God. So you don't pick a fight with the government because you disagree. Can you imagine everybody's got an opinion, you know, in the world sphere? I'm not preaching an opinion here. I'm telling you what the Word of God says, objectively as possible. But you have opinions about various things in the world. But if everybody got their opinion, we would have chaos yes. immediately. Yes. And so look at, now look at Titus 3.1. Titus 3.1. Remind them to be subject to rulers. Remind the church. Remind Christians. Isn't that amazing? Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. And so that means as you comport yourself in civil society, you, you need to do what? Be subject to the rulers. Amen. Bring yourself in an orderly way under. So when, when God tells your wife to obey her husband, what he is saying, she's not saying you're some vassal. You know, what he's saying is, okay, bring yourself orderly up under him. And then this is what, what God would do. If he keeps on acting in some, you know, well, okay, you said that crazy way, so now I can say it. If he's acted all crazy, God will deal with him. You, you stay sweet. You talk to God about it. I know God will deal with them. I can give you examples of God dealing with them. Nothing works right for him. He may think that he's doing good on that, on, on that little old trike, but boy, he, would, he could have a, a, a motorcycle that Harley wished they had made. Come on. Harley Davidson I'm talking about. Yeah, but, but, you know, just because he thinks he's doing well, no, he's got a minimum standard. No, God will deal with him. God will deal with him. Okay? Be ready for every good work. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. He says, he says um, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So you're not obeying just for you uh, even, but he says for the Lord's sake. Do it for Christ's sake. Do it because you're a believer and you're wearing his name. Uh, you know, as, as, a, as a husband, my wife wears my name. She wears my name. So I don't want my wife to just be careless with my name, right? My children have my name. I don't want them to just be careless with my name. Yeah? Yeah, because we all are growing. We are learning, right? We are learning. Um, when I was a boy, a dad would say something to us when we would go, and we lived a little bit out of the country, about nine miles in a little settlement called Tucker, and we would go into Palestine, and dad would, would just get us around, because we were, we were, we were a bunch of boys, and, uh, three girls, but a bunch of boys there, seven of us, and, and maybe there were five or six of us at the time there, and he would say, okay, we're going out, we're going out to town. And I, I want you to conduct yourself well. 
you know, and boy, I tell you what, uh, because we knew that daddy didn't carry the sword in vain. And so, <laughs> so, so we would go to town and people would always, our reputation was those the best behaved kids anywhere. Why? We did it because of wrath and we did it because of conscience sake. Yeah, but we comport ourselves because we didn't want to bring, dad says, you'll bring, don't bring shame on my name. Don't bring shame. And so you and I should not bring shame on the name of Jesus by our ungodly comportment, but by, but bring glory by godly comportment. I didn't get enough hand claps over on that side of it. <laughs> All right. All right. Amen. Okay, it says, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Now, let's look at, at uh, that was 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 8, 2. I love it. Now, the whole word of God it's amazing how the Word of God confirms itself, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New, it never contradicts, never contradicts. And so sometimes we feel like, okay, I've got examples in my mind about, you know, corrupt government. God is never saying, act corruptly because the government is corrupt. He's saying, don't take matters into your own hands. I, that's, I allowed that. God either allowed that person, quote unquote, or he appointed that person. And if God appointed that person, he has a right to appoint them even if they're bad. Because sometimes bad people show you how bad things are, even in you. Have you ever seen you were doing fine until somebody crazy came up and con came in contact with you? And you didn't know that you had crazy in you until you met the crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, I, it's so true, isn't it? I've been just fine, man. I'm doing fine. I'm happy. You know, I'm happy in Jesus all day. And then somebody coming. <laughs> Help me, Lord. You didn't realize. So, so just because they're bad doesn't mean that God didn't have anything to do because it exposes us. These bad things expose us. And then, and they so expose us that we go to God and say, I need more help. I need to grow more. And I'm not afraid to say, Lord, make me better. Somebody said, no, you're just asking for trouble. I need trouble. If, if that's what I need to get better, send the trouble. I'm serious. I'm not just saying something. Send the trouble. Amen. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 8, 2. It says, I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. You ought to be a good citizen because you belong to God. Hallelujah. Not because somebody treated you right. Amen. If you haven't been treated, if you haven't been treated wrongly in life, then you've probably been the perpetrator. Yeah, yeah, life happens to all of us. I said, life happens to all of us. Wow. Let's look at Acts 24, 16. Acts 24, 16. Acts 24, 16. Paul says, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. What an amazing statement. I'm always striving, and I'm, I'm there now. 
I've always wanted to have a good conscience before God, but I, I need a good conscience before men. We need a good conscience for everybody. It's not like, I don't want him to think I'm afraid. Who cares? We stand before God. And so Paul says he lived his life because he wanted to have a good conscience, like I've offended no man. I've done damage to no man. I've defrauded no man. And then I've obeyed you, Lord. That's, the, that's what God wants in this present age. This is what we need. We don't need people who are claiming to be. We need people who are true sons of God. Uh, um, let, let me go to number 8, verse 8. Verse 8 here in Romans um, 13, verse 8. This is a, one of those scriptures that I have used for a good number of years now that really helps me. And it's said because we live in a, a, a period of time where you can borrow or do whatever money and, and live on the borrowed money and then get yourself in real hock, you know. But so here, verse 8 says, owe no one anything. And I, I used to just put a period there, owe no one anything. Okay, that's where I think we all, all, all ought to live. Owe no one anything except to love one another. So he said, you can have a debt, but it should be a debt of love. I just love you. I love you. I love you. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. That is so huge. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. In other words, the law, the law is for the lawless, right? And so now if I, I don't need somebody to tell me don't do these, all these things, because if you love, you'll do them. That's so big. You say, well, I love you. Well, you won't insult them so much. I love you. You won't be so disobedient. I love you. Do you really? Do you really? Uh, in Matthew 22, 36, um, one day this, uh, this person said to Jesus, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The greatest commandment. That's not one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other God before you. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Those things. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You love God with everything you got, you're going to love your neighbor with everything you've got. There's not a possibility of you loving God with everything, and now you don't love your neighbor. It's, it's impossible. When you really love God with everything you've got, you will love your neighbor with everything you've got. He says, Jesus says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I, I like that word, hang, because it's like on these two commandments, all the law and all the prophets, everything that the prophets ever spoke, everything that Moses ever got from God, he says, depend on these two. That's what he's saying to us. Let's walk this thing out. This is a marvelous opportunity for us to walk out our Christianity in full display of angels and men. Let's walk it out. And, uh, and uh, of course, this man, the story is that he wanted to justify himself, and he said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus gave them the parable, remember, of the, the good Samaritan. 
right, when uh, the priest and the Levite saw a man wounded, and I guess the, they, they were just too holy and didn't want to get the hands uh, dirty. And uh, now a priest and a Levite, it seems to me like this, this man is one of their countrymen, and they're too high and mighty to get the hands a little soiled. And then there was a man that they looked on as dogs and worthless and nothing, the Samaritans. The Samaritans, man, nasty folks, worthless, good-for-nothing folks. And one of them came by and saw the man, probably a Jewish man, and helps him, helping somebody who has, not, who has despised him. And he's helping him, put him on his donkey, and he, you know, and he takes him into the inn and says to an innkeeper, hey, help this guy. And if, uh, here, here's some money. Uh, if, if it's more than that, when I come back, I'll pay you. And Jesus says, who was neighbor to him? Was it the priest? No. The priest didn't act in a neighborly way. The Levite they didn't act in, a, in a, a neighborly way, but a stranger, somebody that was despised, acted as a neighbor. So sometimes you can't, you know, if, you grew, if you've grown up here or any, any nation you've grown up in and you weren't thought of too well, uh, you were, you know, maybe down at the bottom of the ladder, you know, maybe that's not a... A bad place to be. Maybe then it teaches you then to look up. Yeah. The wisdom of God is amazing. I would not change places with anybody in the world for my upbringing and my state. I wouldn't change places. But, but, but no, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't. Because I'd rather be able to look up because I'm so far down I can't look down just look up then to be so high I can now look, have a choice of looking down or looking up this is what God wants us to do is to comport ourselves well now you can do it alright can you give me a few more minutes okay really seriously just, just let me try to hurry on um, verse 9 for the commandments Paul is, is bringing this together with us um, because we don't want to, to, you know, um, feel like we can choose who our neighbor is. If you're on the planet, everybody's your neighbor who's on the planet with you. He says, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you, you know, um, um, you're, you're dishonoring your marriage vow. You shall not murder, you know, killing somebody. It, it means murdering is not like killing, like in war or anything like that. It's like you fly off the handle and you kill somebody, you murder them. You shall not steal, taking what's not yours. You shall not bear false witness. That's a nice way of saying don't lie. You shall not covet, want something that's not yours. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, if there's any other commandment, he said, this is how you handle it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul tells us, don't defraud your brother, your sister. Doesn't matter. Don't defraud them. Don't do wrong to them. You say, but they, doesn't matter, but they. Don't do wrong to them. This is the, the, the Christian life that God is telling us that we, he wants us to live. This is the Christian life. And as much as I'm able in, in these days of mine, thank you, Jesus, for 70-something. <laughs> because I've grown. Uh, you don't need to wait until 70. Why? 
because the word of God is being fulfilled in you right now because he says those who come after you will learn quicker than you because they will have your words your preaching your teaching they'll have your words and your life as an example Wow this is what God wants for us love does no harm to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law and then how do we do all of this how then do we walk this out we have to put on Christ put on Christ when you come to Jesus you, you put on Christ it's like this it's like the Holy Spirit clothes us it, it would be let's say like your parents will buy you the clothing right they buy you all these clothing and you they've richly provided for you and they go in there one day and say pull that off put these on you know and so you have to now put on Christ yes the Holy Spirit does this work but then you put on Christ are with are you with me does that make sense to you so he's provided all this righteousness of Jesus Christ he says now I want you to get your hands on it and say yes it's like sometimes when I'm uh, brother Nathan is helping me with my jacket sometimes he's not doing that because I can't put it on I can get the thing on But it sure is so much easier. Thank you, man. Sure appreciate you, son. Thank you for that. Yeah, but then, so this is how you put on Christ. The Holy Spirit has got you. He's clothing you in Christ. Come on, just stick your arms through there. Button up yourself. This is what Jesus wants. This is what Jesus wants. Now, put on Christ. And this is what Paul's saying. And this is what I say. I believe that, that we are living in this prophetic era, E-R-A, uh, this prophetic era, this prophetic time, and the ends of the ages have come upon us. This is what I believe. Verse 11. And do this, and do all that I've told you in this chapter. Do this, and the others as well, but especially, specifically these. And do this knowing, love your neighbor as you do yourself. Do not harm your neighbor. Obey the law. Do this because knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. It's not time for you to be drowsy. It's not time for you to be unaware. It's not time for you to be like the people in Noah's day that was just eating and drinking and doing everything they wanted to do until it started to rain. And once it started to rain, God has shut the door. God shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door. And he says to all of us as believers, don't keep acting like it's dark as night. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation, he means Yeshua. Yeah. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Jesus is close to coming. That's what he's saying to us. He's giving us an opportunity to give the world a very clear picture of Jesus before he comes. Are you the one, a kind of person that you just want what you want and you don't, don't care if others get what they need? I don't want to ever, my wife and I said this from the time we were young people, we will eat bologna so you can have a, a bologna sandwich. We don't, want, we don't want to eat bologna while you're feasting on steak, but we'll have bologna with you. 
and, we are, and there's nothing better than a good fishing trip with bologna sandwiches. So it's time for us to recognize that the night is far spent. The day is at hand. We have been living in, in a dark day, as it were. We've been living at night. It's been night for a long time. We had the day when Jesus came, there was light, first light that ever really, really had come into the earth. And now we're living in a day when if you've awakened maybe in, 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 at some times of the year, like summer, and you're awake at about 4.30, and then at 5, and you see the sun trying to come up, it's like it's, it's trying to, it's waking out of the chambers, as it were, and it's, it's kind of trying to shine brightly. That's where we are. It's coming through. Don't ignore it. That's what Paul is saying. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The armor of light will protect you. Let us walk properly as in the day. There are things you can do at night. You just shouldn't be caught doing them in the day. You and I shouldn't do them at night either. But, but walk properly is in the day. You know? Not in revelry and drunkenness. And everybody knows that you're a hypocrite. Everybody knows you're wrong-minded. So not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Don't help yourself do bad. Let's look at 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. So Paul is writing to the Romans and he's writing to us as though we were in Rome over 1900 years ago. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. In, in 10 years, we will have reached the 2,000-year mark since Jesus' crucifixion. In 10 years. Now, you can't be rum-dumb about that. You got to say, this is probably significant. And I want to say it to our young people. Don't think that you're going to get by because your parents love Jesus. Don't you think you're going to get by because you're so cute. You walk this thing out. You're living in, in prophetic times. Look, listen, let me finish. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. There are many Christians who are, are not drunk with the wine that's in a bottle. But they're severely intoxicated with the wine of the world. With the ways of the world. With the things that they see in the world. They're so drunk that they don't know the time. They don't even know the hour. 
They're so drunk. I've seen men drunk before. Terrible. What time is it, man? Man, look at your watch. I, uh, I can't see it. Hey, hey, man. You think my wife's going to be mad now? Oh, drop. That's pathetic, isn't it? As Christians, we don't want to be like that. We are children of the day. Let's obey and let's do it for conscience sake toward God. Let's be good citizens. Let's be really good citizens. Just because I'm a Christian does not mean that I get to choose which laws I obey and which I don't. And if there's a real unjust law, disobey it like Paul and said, if I'm worthy to, 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 be, to die, I'm ready to die. I'm not afraid. Amen? I'll be back in a minute. Thank you.